0: Special day today, and I'm not just talking about because of what happened yesterday. <laughs> I was amazed at how excited everybody was to come to church last night, and uh, I thought, "Wow, that's great!" But really, no. Uh, this is a real special time for us, you know. I, I, oh, and by the way, the uh, the you know the little statement there next to our, our logo, the idea of experience and growth. This is a big part of what we're um, we're going to be pushing and talking about, and, and really making a point of emphasis in the days ahead. Because what we were wanting to do, you know, we realized we live in a whole a new era kind of communicating uh, values. And uh, one of the things as we were thinking about the website and just about different materials that we use and the way we think about our church, we, we felt like the idea that there were two things that really stood out. There was, there was more than a, a few actually, but we felt like the idea of experience and growth were, were two things that were of tremendous meaning to us. Experience, of course, was a lot of what we're about in terms of just we want people, all of us, to experience Real life with God. I mean, there, there's a sense we want people to come into relationship with Jesus. And so, and then, of course, the experience is also part of what we do. We, we experience community together. We, we have a service together. We, we have emphasis in the arts and in music. But the, also the idea of growth. And you'll notice there's, they're separate as well. Is that not only do we want people to come to know Christ, we want people to grow in that relationship with Jesus. And, and that's our goal. And, and, and the two of them together experience growth. Uh, really does summarize a big part of who we are as a people because we always say that when we sign on to follow Jesus, you know, we're signing up to grow. I mean, as that's, that's a, a sign up to be open to the things that God wants to do in our lives. And that means that, you know, so many of the things that Jesus talked about, he used um, imagery and metaphor that had the, a, a natural growth component to it. He said, you, you know, I'm the vine and you are the branches. He talked about bearing fruit. In the Psalms, we have that great verse in Psalm 1, you'd be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, brings forth its fruit in its season. The idea of something growing, vibrant, and alive. Jesus never characterized life with him as simply something that was boring and sequestered off to merely merely the intellect and something that we, we sort of have as part of our life as more of an insurance policy. He always talked about it as instead to think of it as a growing, living thing inside of us, like a stream of water bubbling out like a spring. And he said that that's gonna, it's going to challenge us. And we're, we always talk about being open to the challenges that God wants to do in terms of our own personalities, habits, ways of being uh, that we have you know, maybe acquired from our generations that raised us and it's sort of been passed down to us, ways of reacting, ways in which we treat people, the ways in which we think about life in general. But God's trying to get into every area of our life and he wants to grow us. That means everything's on the table with Jesus. So that's, that's, that's just a big deal. So, you know, growth is a big part of it. Uh, we, you know, we've, we've got a number of exciting things that are happening. I really have to tell you, I mean, I, this moment is really special because um, right now as we speak, you know, the, the other campus is... Uh, Sort of getting ready. They're going through these prep services leading up to the to the launching of the real service in January 29th. But there is a significant number of people at the Merced campus, uh, you know, by Lake Merced in in San Francisco State over there on Brotherhood Way. They they are getting ready to to share a service that they're gonna have stops and starts, but they're just the 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 skeleton crew. It's actually quite a lot of volunteers are over there. And in fact, I just got a text before uh, I walked in. It says 9 a.m. It is. I was telling them that I just used the 9 a.m. service and, and they said lots of excitement here. Praise Jesus. And so I'm, I know, you know, we're all sharing something together, but there's a whole nother crew of us on the other side of the city who are sharing essentially it with what we're all sharing in together. And it's special. And this has been a real growing experience for all of us as a church. We've got right now a whole nother group of people who are uh, a couple of blocks away going through a, 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 com- a connection class that's designed, it's sort of our version of mem- church membership and they want to be more involved in the community and that's the way to do it, that little three-week course that we're doing. So that, I just want you to, I wanted us all to be aware that um, there's even more than just our community that meets here at this mission campus, you know, the four times that we meet this weekend, but there's a whole other crew uh, on, the, on the other side of the city and, and just there's so many really good things that God is doing. And I'm excited about that because I think it's a growth transition. And to be honest with you, it, it required a lot of faith and a lot of commitment. And it wasn't—it's—it's it's something that has been a little bit scary. And we all tried to step out and be courageous. And so many of you um, have been willing to step in to support it, uh, volunteering yourself in ministries and just because uh, you know, with all the volunteers that had to go, there are all these new needs that have been opening up here, opportunities to really engage community life. It's not too late to do that. If you feel like in your heart you want to respond in some way, we have a lot of places where people can get involved. And, and uh, you let us know that on the, on the new website. You'll see that positioning statement in the left-hand corner. You know, that's sort of where it's, gonna, it's designed to go. Um, when people open it up, you know, that three-second glance at it is designed to say, this is something about who we are uniquely. But you can also sign up in the 542 Project section there. Um, If you want to get involved a little bit more, there are different ways of volunteering. I'm just saying that because it's good, it's exciting, and it's a growth time. And the message series that we actually are sharing is directly connected to this same principle. So everything's meshing together, growth transitions. New year, we're in a new year, new opportunities to build our relationship with God. It's going to unfold. It's very early. We have something to share. Last week we shared about you know, Samuel and, and the whole idea of being open to the voice of the Lord when he's speaking and calling our name, and how we are, how God really wants us to say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So, um, I, but I want to share this morning, and in fact, I'll, I'm going to try and do this for the next few weeks on a particular slice, a particular example of a growth transition. And uh, I want to look at the transition that occurred actually in the early life of Jesus when he was 12 years old. And I'd like us to draw some conclusions and and, um, principles out of it that will help us as we move into this new year, as we transition into this new year. May it be a growing time for us. So let's pray and then we'll jump right in. Lord, I want to thank you again. I thank you for uh, all the things that are are happening and, and, you know, it's just a really special time to be able to be part of a a team uh, and teams of people who are collectively pulling their their, their talents and hearts together to express a, a, a love for you, a shared love for you and in this city that we know you love and you care about people and you want to you bring us to places of wholeness in life. I'm convinced of that. You said that it was your will that we would have life and have it abundant and overflowing. And, and I, I pray, Lord, that you would help us all to be, to be a growing people this year, moving into greater levels of wholeness in our own lives, in our own personalities, in the way in which we deal with things. May it, may it look more like you as this year unfolds. And so we just welcome you in this time as we share this word together. May it be a blessing and a strength and a, and, a, and a joy for all of us together. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, God. Let it be so, Lord. Okay, so um, let's, uh, let's look at uh, the, the t- passage that we have out of Luke uh, 2. And uh, by the way, uh, you know, we don't really know a lot. We're not told a lot about the early childhood of Jesus. The the years between 0 and 12 are pretty much summed up in one verse, which tells us not a lot of things happened, but this is the way the Bible characterizes the first 12 years of Jesus' life, Luke 2, 40. And we'll just put that up. It says, then there the child grew. It says he, he grew up healthy and, and strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was upon him. And that's just the Bible's way of saying that Jesus in a natural way, sort of increased and and grew and matured and that that God's hand was on him. And this is an important thing. When it says there, it's referring to Nazareth. That was what was stated before, that after Joseph and Mary went back to Nazareth in the Galilee. The Galilee was the northern part in relation to Jerusalem, still there today. Um, If you were in Jerusalem, you're about, and Nazareth is in Galilee, a different kind of a a little bit of an environment. All small, by the way. If you go visit Israel, you realize how close things are. The distance between Nazareth and Jerusalem, which was the center of that world right there, um, was 80 miles. And so uh, some of what's going to happen here is there's a travel, a journey that's going to be made. that's about 80 miles in duration from Nazareth to uh, Jerusalem. So, what we do know, though, is the Bible tells us that something happened at the critical age in, in the life of Jesus and at 12 years old. And we're gonna look at it. Let's just go in our, in our handouts here in the scriptures and look with me at verse 41 Luke 2. It says the parents, um, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. Now the Passover feast was the, was the great feast of Israel combined with the feast of unleavened bread. It was a time of great celebration. It, it remembered and celebrated the great deliverance Of Israel from Egyptian bondage and uh, you know it had so much to do with the idea of God setting his people free and it was something that he he wanted his people to celebrate together and so they would uh, every year make their way that make their way And, and in this case we're told that Mary and Joseph went together I don't think that necessarily means that Jesus went with them in fact it indicates that he almost didn't until this age but even if he did it it would have been much different the way he experienced it this time around. The point is is, is that they had a, a habit and a custom of making this journey together at Passover time. We're told in verse 42, and when he was 12 years old that they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the, of the feast. And, and again, 12 years is a really unique age. I mean, I've had, you know, uh, it's that age where children start to change and um, their voices change and, You know, it's not been that long ago where I remember our four children moving from childhood into those, what we call the teen years, the years of adolescence. By the way, I think we understand that adolescence and teens was something that was a kind of a segmentation that didn't even exist up until about 100 years ago, where it was first really identified as a a kind of unique stage of life. It's sort of a modern invention. Uh, that's, that's part of uh, a culture that is less agricultural. In Jesus' day, they didn't really have, it wasn't like, oh, he's a teenager now. It went from you were a child, and then around 12 or 13, young men and women, um, you know, as puberty set in, would begin to be thought of as moving into young adulthood. And many of them had to do, take on adult responsibilities. And that's been true for, in a number of cultures all over the world for, for many, many uh, you know, centuries. It hasn't been until recently that we've created this sort of unique concept of, of adolescence as a kind of transitional period in his own right. I just think that's an interesting thing to be aware of because Jesus is really going to model a transition. And we've been talking about growth transition. Jesus himself is starting to think of his... He, I think he's, go, he's certainly going to come out of this, this kind of experience with an awareness of another voice in his life. He becomes aware, clearly, if he wasn't aware of it before, of the voice of the Heavenly Father. And that's going to come out. But again, transitions. Transitions are really interesting things in life, aren't they? Transitions are those times in life where um, certain things are ending and then other things are starting to emerge. And one thing we know about it is it can be a really scary place. Maybe some of us are there right now the transitional places of life, where we sense something is no longer gonna be what it was, and then we're getting ready to face something new, it's, it's sometimes hard, I mean, because, you know, change um, is not always easy, and then the idea of, I don't know what it's gonna look like and what that's gonna be like, it, it really can be scary, and yet at the same time, transitions can be amazingly refreshing times in our lives, too, right? I mean, they can be exciting, they, they invigorate us, um, there, transitions are times when a lot of growth can occur in our lives. And so, um, you know, we need to not be afraid of them. One of the things, uh, you know, that happens when we, when we go through a, a significant transition in life is that we usually, we usually aren't the same person that we were coming out of it as we went into it. You know, that, that happens a lot in life. There are certain things that when we move through them, they almost move through us. And somewhere along the way, something changes. It's kind of a hinge point in our lives. We've been going along the same. And all of a sudden, we have this transition that we have to walk into. And it creates a whole new dynamic. And again, some of us are so resistant to change that we'll do almost anything we have to to avoid it. Sometimes we'll even accept things that are, are, are in, in extreme cases, very dysfunctional. And we call that a codependent. Because, we're just kind of go, because change is scary. So we'll live with something that even is unhealthy. Because I don't I don't know what what it would be like without it. So at least I know this. But that's not the way that God wants us to live. I think we understand that. He calls us to a place of health and breakthrough and growth. Transitions are not to be uh, feared, but they do require courage. Now, keeping that in mind, speaking of exciting, let me just quickly say this. It must have been so exciting for Jesus to go to Jerusalem. I don't think we appreciate it. I mean, you know... Um, I'll say this, there's a just traveling period can be a lot of fun. Uh, Sometimes when we think about a trip that we're going to make or, you know, a point of travel that we're going to go and engage in, it just um, sometimes we put it on our calendar and we start reading about where we might want to be, where we're going. And uh, you know what? A lot of joy is not just in the travel itself and the experiences that we have, the people we visit but it's just kind of in the back of our minds, preparing ourselves for that vacation or that trip we're gonna take, right? And so there's kind of an excitement just about getting ready for going somewhere. And Jesus must have been filled with that because he grows up, again, where he's growing up, a lot of things didn't happen there. We forget, I mean, we are inundated with entertainment options. And every now and then, one of those experiences will just stand out above the rest. Like yesterday did, right? <laughs> and, and, and yet, you know, we have such a, a, we are so acc- accustomed to entertainment as a part of our life, and we have choices, we can look at things and, and decide when we're going to go, and we decide if we like it or not. But you've got to remember, that, that world did not exist for so many people. And for so many still today, it doesn't really exist, although it, the technology has, has made remarkable inroads even in the most remotest places in the world. And yet, having said that, in Jesus' day, I mean, they didn't, they didn't have, like, a lot of exciting things. They had a lot of beauty, and there was a certain blessing in the sameness of life and the sedateness of life, and he's in the Galilee up north, and, and it's a, it, it really has its own kind of pastoral beauty to it, and you know everybody, and and people live together in community, and, and there's a certain unique beauty and blessing. Um, but, it, but the idea, I, what I'm trying to plant is that the idea of going to 80 miles down to Judea to see Jerusalem. See, that is something we cannot really appreciate. Because for Jesus, that would have been such a big deal, as it was for a lot of people. It's like the one time in the year we're really going to go. We're going to head there and we start traveling with other people in the community and we make this journey together and they're going by foot and they're talking and laughing and sharing stories and memories and they're camping out along the way and then it, and Jesus would have been there experiencing all that and then they're singing songs and talking about God and how we're going to celebrate him together with so many people from all over the world and what it's going to be like. You've never seen it. You're gonna, He's going to amaze you. You're going to watch what happens and for Jesus just going into Jerusalem. If, if it was his first time, it would have been an absolutely astonishing thing for him to see. Because now there was the not not only the great, magnificent edifice, the temple that was built by Herod, uh, King Herod, which was a piece of art in and of itself, its grandeur, its power. Um, today you can still see a little piece of it, the Western Wall. But in Jesus' day it was magnificent and it would have stood out, see, again, the contrast, because you and I, we're accustomed to things, but they didn't didn't see, and then to see all these people, from all over the place who are coming. They shared a commonality, but so many of the Jews have been scattered out and others who have become converts as well in other parts of the known world, and they're all coming there, and that means there's all these unique kind of um, clothing that's being worn, and and there are people who are communicating with each each other in different languages and and dialects, and, 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 and then you're watching all the difference, things that are being sold, and, and just all this interaction, and, and then this kind of religious enthusiasm as well that's filling. I mean, I'm just saying, it must have been quite a sight for Jesus, and, and, and we're going to talk about what happens in the next couple of weeks, about what, happen, what happens to him when he's there, because he, he gets in this amazing conversation in the temple at the age of 12. Now, let's jump back over here, verse 43. It says that when they had finished the days, they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. Now, look at this. It says that and Joseph and Mary, uh, Joseph and his mother did not know it, so you know, they don't know that uh, Jesus is left behind, and it says that uh, supposing him to have been in the company, they, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So you gotta understand, what's happening here, Mary and Joseph were so busy, it would seem, uh, and involved in preparations that, with the you know, with their various friend, friends and interactions with the people, family members, and they, they were just evidently so kind of not thinking about it that they got distracted, and um, they they forgot to look for Jesus, and, and neither one of them had actually confirmed his presence with them. And you got to understand, a lot of times they would do travels; they would the the men would go with the men a lot of times. Everybody would come back together but at night. But the men would go with the men a lot of times. The women would go with the women. They would have their own discussions. So it's quite possible that, you know, Joseph's thinking, I don't know where Jesus is. Oh, I'm sure he's with Mary, his mother. That's where he usually is, right? And Mary's probably thinking, oh, wow, you know, Jesus isn't here. Oh, yeah, I know why. He's 12 now. He wants to be with the men. Here's the problem. He wasn't with either one of them. Now they don't know this, right? So they're in their mind and again, they neither It's one thing is pretty clear too. And it's, it's kind of funny in a way. I mean, none, they each had enormous confidence. In Jesus and they just absolutely assumed responsible behavior on his part and in fact uh, he had after all he had after all been and this is the one time when the statement actually can actually be said to be absolutely true he had been the perfect child right? I think we can say, we can all agree on that and, and as a result they they're thinking oh well of course you know and there's something absolutely humorous about about the thought I mean it, think about it they had been given this great entrustment right um, and, and I can tell you their adrenaline. I'm just thinking as a, as a parent, when it's happened to me a couple of times, especially when they were little, uh, you want to talk about an adrenaline shot. You, you lose one of your kids in the mall for an extended period of time or at a game. It's, <laughs> you, you want to talk about everything else stops. And your one goal is to find that child, Especially because in our day, we know we live in a scary world and we're under no illusions. And that can create its own kind of paranoia. But I remember those moments where I was in absolute panic looking for my, 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 my boy or my, my daughter and, and, and just really worried. And, uh, you know, I know Jesus is a little older, but you got to understand, they had traveled an entire day. Jesus is being left behind in Jerusalem. They have no idea where he is. They don't know anything has happened to him. Remember, remember, when when he was brought into this world, they, the Lord, had entrusted them with the responsibility of raising Messiah, <laughs> right? And and the word that had been spoken, that was the word that was spoken over him at conception, and 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 then it was that word that he is the Messiah, the deliverer. Um, you know was confirmed over him when he was born at his, you know at his birth. this was clearly a sacred entrustment. So listen to me you guys if raising Jesus could be considered the greatest parental responsibility ever given, then to lose Jesus <laughs> would have to be that greatest parenting blunder ever. <laughs> and they lost him And so it says here that they that, that you know, that they spent the, is verse 44, it says they thought he was with them, but they went, a, they went an entire day's journey. And so this is, means it's nighttime. And they start checking in with each other. And they start looking around fran- frantically for him. And they start asking everybody, have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? And, and so the last time I saw him, it was back way back in Jerusalem. And that's the last when I saw him too. And then what happens is they start realizing, oh my, uh, the, and, and now my wife and I were having a lot of fun with this. I was talking to her about this exchange, how the exchange went between Joseph and Mary, <laughs> and she said to me, um, well, it was clearly a communication breakdown, <laughs> and she said, um, she said it was a, that Mary told Joseph to check before they left, <laughs> <laughs> and that later that night, and that later that night, you know, but she said, when he said, when, Cheryl said, but when, when Mary told Joseph, he said yes, but he wasn't listening. <laughs> and then later that night, when she said, I told you, he said, I didn't hear you say anything. I never even heard you say that. How could I be responsible for something I never even heard? You're the mother, it's your responsibility. <laughs> We've had these conversations, <laughs> all right? didn't go too well, let's say that. Um, let us say that that night was not restful, all right? It wasn't, it couldn't have been. I mean, they're thinking, wow, we, we gotta get back and find him, and they're filled with anxiety and prayer. And I'll tell you something, the morning couldn't come soon enough for, for Mary and Joseph, because they had an entire day's journey to go back by foot. There was no, it wasn't gonna take, it was gonna take a while, and they had to wait till daylight. Now, I have a couple things to say about this. You know we've had some we've had some fun with this, but I want to make a couple of just um, application pieces here for us as we move into this month, which is the first month of this new year. I want to put something on the board real quick. I'm going to suggest that none of us are capable of predicting what a what a day, yet alone a year, is going to bring. I think we understand that. Uh, this was, by the way, absolutely traumatic. In fact, the only thing I think we could say about life. The only thing that we can predict with certainty apart from God's l- love is that life is certainly unpredictable. And um, every now and then we get to be reminded that we're not God. We don't really control anything. I and mean, any, anything that we control is temporary at best and an illusion that it will last in really truly controllable ways. I mean, at the end of the day, every now and then, something will transpire in our life that will remind us, wow, this is like an earthquake. This is, a, this is something, and it, and it can be a, an economic downturn, a relational earthquake, a loss of a job, our health. It, it might have to do with, the, uh, it, you know, it could be something good that was not anticipated even. I mean, so, I mean, the unpredictability of life, I mean, you don't know. We don't know when someone who's been, who's going to come through who's never come through before, right? Or something that's going to happen that we weren't expecting, and all of a sudden it happens. Uh, So uh, what I'm saying is the uncertainty of life should help us to live with with humility and gratitude. Because life is a fragile gift. And even the relationships we love and treasure the most are fragile. Our life is a fragile. The Bible describes us appropriately as jars of clay filled with the power of God. But a jar of clay can be cracked. And it does crack at times. Walk with humility in life. That's one thing. Two, I'm going to point this one on the table as well, just drilling down a little bit more deeply. But I can say this, and I'm not trying to be negative, I'm just being honest, that there are going to be things that happen this year um, that are going to scare us or at least are going to make us anxious. And uh, some of us, honestly, we might be going through that right now. We might be in the middle of a transition that is is really scary. I was talking to someone who's very close to me, and they were, we were just. I was just saying, you know, I think, I think this is a good word for you because in light of what I see you walking through, and, and I'm saying right now, and you are being amazingly courageous. I still, I still, you know, I think it's help, be helpful for you to remind yourself of some basic principles and hold on to them, you know, that God has for us. And I'm, I'm going to say that there there are, you know, when when they lost. Jesus, things happen like that. We didn't expect it that day, but it happened. Now we gotta deal with it. And I'm afraid. I'm scared. Or at the very least, I might even be anxious about it, or I might be really angry. And I'm gonna say that in those moments, and I'm just, just gonna lay this out. This is just some really practical things to think about when we find ourselves, when life catches us off guard, and we find ourselves in a position where a part of us just wants to react, and flail away. That the Bible wants—I I think clearly teaches us—and they model it as well. Here is one—it's really important. Number one, to keep our heads. And don't panic, right? Don't don't lose it. We see ourselves just kind of getting reactive. you know that's when when things are said, when reckless things are done. One of the things I told the person that I was respecting, I said, you know what? I'm I'm expecting out of you. I see something in you right now that. I go, I've not been as good at doing, to be honest with you, is you're feeling all this pressure to react, but you're, you're, you're holding yourself. And instead of just, just reacting out of your emotional um, anger, you're, 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 you're not panicking. And, and I said, and, but you know what? I said, but, and this is the second piece here. In those moments, yes, it's good to calm ourselves and not just do something destructive or reckless or reactive, but it's also important that we then reaffirm our trust and our dependence in God. That I'm not only saying, "Okay, okay, Lord, I want to trust you here with this." Um, I, again, with a song that we shared right before the message, it had a lot to do with the idea of "You are my salvation." It was the idea of, "Lord, I just want to give. I just want to welcome you into this situation. I want to reaffirm my trust in you, and that you are with me and." And, um, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs 3, in, in, right there, in all our ways, we are to what? We are to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not to our under- own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him, welcome him in, and he will direct our paths. We have a problem. We have a real tough situation. Is there a part of us that just wants to either run away, flail away, um, react, calm down, reaffirm our trust in God? We don't control anything. And then, and then, Right on the back of that, I think this is really helpful. Determine not to blame. Focus instead on solutions. I don't see Mary and Joseph going at each other. We had fun with that. They're not saying it's your fault. You always do this. If you, why, do you, why does this happen? You see, in our anger, in our fear, we can become reactive. We'll say things in our in our critical moments that can have damaging effects even beyond the trauma itself and a lot of times what happens is the situation plays itself out but the the damage, the residue, the, the, the the destructiveness that's left in the wake of what has happened as we reacted into this situation is worse than the problem itself. Because we started into blaming and in our anger, we, we instead of focusing our energies on a solution, see the Bible says, be angry, but do not sin. The Bible reminds us that anger and, and blaming can just kind of like close us up. And so you know what happens? We lose our creative energy and we're not thinking well. Uh, one of the gifts of God to settle our mind is to think well, to use our use our. Uh, energy creatively and I mean that in a good way I mean just saying I'm talking about just thinking about options and and uh, trying to keep uh, a good frame of mind staying in a positive place as much as possible not getting negative mean spirited angry resentful blaming It's your fault this is happening because of you if you didn't do that if you were watching him he wouldn't be lost right now see that goes nowhere that doesn't at the end of the day what does that really do nothing it might make us feel better a little bit, but you know what? It creates, it, that's not the way of the Lord. It's not what's being modeled here. What, then the, but the final piece on this one is this. But there is a point where after we've asked God to just help, we've trusted him, we've thought about it, we're not reacting. We still gotta come up with a plan. And once we come up with a plan of action, you know what we gotta do? We gotta get, we gotta implement it. We gotta, we gotta get moving. I'll use a different phrase. Get back to Jerusalem as soon as we can. Because that, that's the last time I saw Jesus. He was there. And tomorrow morning, we're going. See, the idea is that there are these moments that come. last thing I'll say, and it's kind of a shift here, but it has to do with the, the presence of Jesus. I'm going to suggest that, especially you know, when we've welcomed him into our lives, you and I, I'll just leave, this will be our third piece, you and I need to be careful about not taking his presence for granted. And every time I've read this, I've thought, Lord, remind me Remind me not to take your presence for granted in my life. Mary and Joseph, Lord blessed them, assumed he was with them. And again, how easy it is to busy ourselves in the activity of this life with the agenda of our days and weeks that we lose, we lose our sense of intimacy with the Lord. You know, hear, hear me out. He doesn't just want to be our Lord and Savior. He does. But he also wants to be our friend. And I was like, what? Yeah, he does. He said it. You are my friends. And you know what you do when you love someone? You spend time with them. You share your heart with them. You share your fears. You listen for their words. You carve out time because it matters. You say, how does an intimate relationship occur? Well, the root word, of you think about the idea of intimacy. Every time I think of that word, and you hear me say this every now and then, into me see intimacy right into me see here who is is who i am with you lord and i i found in my own life that the tenderness of his presence is something that's nurtured nurtured in attentiveness that the tenderness of his presence is ultimately nurtured in his in attentiveness to it and um I I think that it's going to require openness on our part. That means we're going to have to carve out time for the Lord in our relationship with him. Um, He says, honestly, he says, if you want this thing to work, if you want to be a growing person, if you want my presence actively involved in your life, then you know what he said? It has to be a daily thing. You know When he he was telling them how to pray, you know what he said to his disciples? He says, one of the things he said is just pray like this. He says, give us this day. You all know many give us this day our daily bread. It's a daily thing. It's it's to be lived out in a daily way. I mean, that's what God, I mean, so you know what? It it means that God really does want us to, to do more than just get to heaven. He wants us to know him. And then he wants his goodness and grace to fill our lives in such a way that other people are amazingly blessed. I was reading a, old devotional from an old writer named Vance Havener, who was Billy, one of Billy Graham's favorite writers. And in that devotional, he was talking about what it means to have Christ lived out in our lives in a meaningful way. And he said, the first thing, he says, number one, is you have to, you have to decide you want to be a, a follower of Jesus. And then he said, secondly, after you decide you want to be a follower of Jesus, you're going to have to decide you want to be a follower of Jesus daily. I want to follow him better daily. Now that takes it out of, I just believe in him, into the dailiness of our lives. So that I'm bringing my relationship with the Lord into the way that I work, into the way that I negotiate through inevitable problems and crises and relational challenges and my own habits and my own issues inside. I'm daily seeking to have a very vibrant, living relationship with the Lord that affects how I make my decisions and is a part of my life. Not a sequestered piece over here that I do once a week, but an integral daily part of who I am. And then he says, and only will it be an opportunity to, to follow Jesus daily, but he said to follow Jesus, yes, that's great, and I want to do that, but then I want to help others follow Jesus better. Others who know him follow him better as well. And then he says, and then uh, I want to help, help lead people um, who don't know him to know him and to be able to follow him better. And that's so simple, but it's the essence Of what we were kind of born to do, in in Jesus. Now the song that we're closing with, it's called um, "All of Me," and I love this song. I hope I hope it will be a blessing. It's kind of like a, you know, I think we understand that you know the way our church kind of does. a... a, We do what's called a benediction this way. We usually end with a good word, but it's a word in song. And um, our our benediction, our good word that we're ending with is is kind of a prayer here that is saying, Lord, I want you to have access to all of me. I want you to be okay coming into every room of my life, even the parts that, man, I really don't want to show you. But I won't get better if I'm not open. And I want to get better. I want to grow. I want you to come into my life. And even if we've known you for a while, and some of us have, I want to stay close to you. I don't want to just live believing in you. I want to, I want to live in, in a, as one who loves you and who is responsive and whose heart is soft and who can be touched every now and then, even at an emotional level, to be alive a, a man or a woman who's truly alive. Let's pray. Lord, we want to ask you to just bless uh, our closing minutes here and this closing song and our our time of giving. I'm so grateful for what you're doing all over this city and not just with us, with others who love you too. And and we get to be part of your story. Lord, help us to be open to surrendering areas of our lives to you that you want to get get into, not to punish us, but to help us. And um, we pray that we'd be a people who will grow this year, both in the quality of who we are, but also in our love for you, because I think they're connected. I ask for your blessing. Bless these closing minutes, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.